0: Let's handicap a little bit and talk to our good friend, Scott Spritzer. Spritzer, what's going
1: on, brother? What's happening, TC? Good to be on with you. You got it, man.
0: All right. I know I made you hungry uh, talking about all that food, didn't I?
1: I know, man. I'm sitting here. I've been working my butt off. I haven't eaten since this morning for breakfast. Bowl of oatmeal, believe it or not. Wow, that's really bad. And, uh, and then you got to throw all this stuff at me, all of my favorites, you know, <laughs> You
0: know that that's funny because, uh, you know, Scott and I were on the same page of so many things. Uh, Scott, I, I'm starving right now. I did not get my traditional lunch spot in, which you know all the time. And that's another thing. So when, when, when Scott goes over to Freddy's, I usually get a text. When I'm at Freddy's, I, I send Scott a text. And then the response, tell everyone what the response is when I send you, when I send you the picture of my, my jalapeno pepper jack. What is, I'd say 90% of your response to me is?
1: Well, I'll tell you what that is in just a second. But first of all, there's been multiple times when I've texted you from Freddy's and you've texted me and I've said, hey, TC, I'm at Freddy's on Rainbow. And you'll say, Oh, I'm on Fridays at such and such. Right. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. <laughs> that I'm in warm spring. I'm in Which is funny. Yeah. But I'd say 90% of the time, guess what I'm having for dinner as soon as you send me the text. That's it. I got to get over there and get me some jalapeno burger, uh, some hot dog, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. See, I, and
0: I and I, I didn't get a chance to stop today, Scott, so I am starving. Uh, I All I had was a bowl of uh, uh, rice checks. That was me today. That was it, Oh, Scott, my God.
1: Rice checks. You. You doing rice tracks checks and me doing oatmeal. That they're, what, you know it, what I'm going after this. shit. What is sh- saying? this saying? I mean exactly. What is, what is this saying about us?
0: Never mind, <laughs> I'm not gonna I, say I, it. Close your mic, Num Chuck. <laughs> what did he say? I, I, he started to talk and I I told him to close his mic and he goes, I'm not gonna say it. I said <laughs> <"No.">
1: <laughs> Uh, no, I'm going to Freddy's after we get done with the show. No doubt about it. You'll have to wait another half hour or so, but because I've only had oatmeal today, it'll be it'll be the dog, it'll be the the uh, jalapeno burger, it'll be a little bit of everything.
0: Good deal, man. Good deal. All right, tonight, my friend. I know you want you got you need to load up on some food because. Uh, I don't know what kind of game we're going to have tonight. Oh, my goodness gracious. I don't know if you're going to be sleeping during that game or, or not even partake in it. New England in Pittsburgh in the Thursday night football. Yes, we have the color rush. So I believe that Pittsburgh will be going all black and New England will be going all white. Uh, New England still has not scored in, in two weeks. Uh, crazy. But, Scott, we've got a record here. 30 and a half is the total. The lowest total since a 2006 playoff game. I don't know if you remember it or not. Carolina and Chicago, where the total was 30 in that game. And uh, here's more trivia for you. The lowest regular season game total since 1993, where they put up a robust total of 28 on the Colts and Patriots game back in 1993. By any chance, <laughs> Scott Spritzer. Because you're 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 like an encyclopedia. Do you remember who won that game? What was the score in 1993 between
1: the I, Patriots I don't remember and that. the Colts? I, I, do, I don't remember that, but I know one thing. It would have been the morning after, potentially you too, but the morning after we did a Stardust line yeah. and then stayed out until 3 in the morning or 4 in the morning eating cafe food. Yeah. So it's, it's a Stardust. But, you know, it's funny because if you look at these totals that are around 31, 30, 32, you know, you just mentioned how infrequent the 30s have been. But if you go back like 30 years, it's 82% to the over in the NFL. Wow. And, and the thing is, is if you see a college football total that's, you know, 32 or less, they typically stay under. Look at the Iowa Hawkeyes all year long. Right. If you have an NFL total that's like 32 or less, they typically go over. I just mentioned that 82%, you know, 30- or 40-year mark now where they go over the total. Yet still – it wasn't enough of a reason for me to get involved with this game, T.C. Martin. I'm going to be mean for just a second. People forgive me, but, you know, I kind of was, you know, grew up on Don Rickles-type humor. And I, I just have to say this. You know, I, I have a buddy of mine last night who's a big hockey fan. He doesn't like the NFL. He doesn't like football. Okay, he's a bit of a communist. But the bottom line is, is that I said to him, I go, okay, he goes, are you going to play the game? I go, no, I'm probably not going to be involved. Unless something really crazy comes up that I haven't found yet on Thursday. I haven't found anything crazy, so I'm gonna pass it. But I, I said to him, okay, you're a hockey fan, right? And he goes, of course. He goes, I'll take hockey over anything. Alright. <laughs> this is gonna, it's probably gonna sound kinda bad. Uh, but I said that I would probably equate this quarterback matchup to having to watch six periods of Robin Linner versus Mano Rayom. Just <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with what you said.
0: As a matter of fact, it's pretty darn accurate.
1: You know, yeah, I mean, uh, Who wants like, to
0: watch that nonsense?
1: Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So I have a feeling I'll tune in out of curiosity's sake a couple of times tonight. But you know, I'll be probably watching the NBA uh, tournament and also uh, which is already underway. And then, of course, uh, maybe try to find a. A basketball game or two in the college ranks. There's only like six games tonight, so it's going to be tough.
0: Uh, sounds like a great night to go to the movie, Scott. That's what it sounds like to me. Well, oh, you or know nice
1: what? Dinner. You know how yeah. far I am behind. I got to finish Boardwalk Empire, and you just that might not be a bad idea. I've got like three episodes to go, so and I didn't start watching it until like eight months ago. You know, so I'm going to finish that tonight. That's a good idea. There you go. All
0: right, and to your point about when you have these games in the NFL that are around 30. Like you said, 80% they go over. In that game, Scott, in 1993, the total was 28 between the Colts and the Patriots. Final score, Patriots 38-0. There you go. Yeah. Over the total. Yeah. Over <laughs> the total. One team got it by itself. So Yep. Unbelievable. Well, this Sunday, we are looking at another uninspiring group of games and I, I just can't get over this This is, I, I looked at this and I talked about it a couple weeks ago two weeks ago and I'm going like I, I, I don't get it this, this, this is the ugliest card I've seen and then last weekend it's like oh my gosh we've got the Niners and the Eagles but it is one of the ugliest cards I've seen so now I'm looking at this Sunday card Scott I cannot find a 10 o'clock game
1: that I want to watch what's going yeah. on here it's tough. I mean, it's, it's funny because last week I loved, I had a bunch of plays. Loved the card. Fortunately, things went my way. Top play on the Niners and, uh, and ended up going like six and two. This week I had a tough time finding three or four plays. I mean, even not just from a fan perspective, but from a betting perspective, I thought this week's card from my style of handicapping was you know, garbage-like. And you're right, as a fan, I mean, what are you going to watch? Tampa Bay, Atlanta? No, thanks. I don't want to watch Ritter and Baker Mayfield battle it out. Do I want to watch, you know, Minshew against, uh, you know, a Cincinnati backup, who, by the way, played well last week. But again, it's the Colts and the Bengals without their star players. I mean, right down the line, you're right. I mean, I'm looking at this. I mean, I'm a huge Lamar Jackson fan, both on and off the field. And maybe that's the game. I mean, that's a game that I like. I, I already bet the Ravens right. at minus seven. It's up to as high as eight in some books now. It's uh, not a gimme by any means, but, you know, maybe watching them and seeing if the Rams can protect Matthew Stafford because all of a sudden the Rams are being, you know, thrown into that mix of, boy, you know, they're turning it around. McVay, then you look at their last two opponents. They were two teams uh, that didn't have a pass rush and you had Matthew Stafford throwing from a clean pocket. You've got the number one pass rush As far as sack leaders in the NFL this week, I doubt he throws from a clean pocket. And you've got this offense of Lamar and company that could benefit from some really windy conditions. They can run the football. The Rams don't do that. So, you know, that was the game that I jumped on early. But uh, you're right, man. Try to find not just games to watch as a fan of the NFL, but as a better, too.
0: Yeah, I totally uh, agree. And, um, I, I, <laughs> I, I've been looking and I remember last week, like, you know, for the contest, luckily I went, I went four and one and the only loser I had was Kansas City, uh, that, but I, it seriously, it took me longer to handicap that card last week. I know you probably didn't have much of a problem, but I was just trying to decipher, like I said, love the Niners, my, my number one play and then Kansas City was my number two. And I kind of like, I almost ended up like forcing the three other games. Luckily they all won. But it was it was, it was was difficult, and I haven't really dove into the card yet this weekend, but uh, as I'm looking at it, you know, for games for us to talk about, I'm going, oh my goodness, I can't, I really can't look at anything in the 10 o'clock block, but once we get to 1 o'clock, okay, well, you know, I'll be at the Vikings-Raiders game, I don't know how exciting that is. Both teams mm-hmm. coming off the bye, especially with a quarterback matchup with Josh Dobbs and Aiden O'Connell, but let's talk about that game. Uh, the Vikings are a three-point favorite. Looks like we've had some line movement in this too, Scott, because I believe that, that Minnesota opened, what, uh, point, point and a half or two, and now it's up to three.
1: Yeah, I, I like the other one. I, I, I'm going against the line move here, and I, I do believe Las Vegas plus three is the way to go in this game if you're going to play it. Um, you know, Obviously, Minnesota got a boost when Josh Dobbs first came into the lineup when they had the injury at quarterback, and he was doing well. He was making great decisions, all that kind of stuff. And then I went against him. I played the Bears a couple of weeks ago in their last game. I think there was a Sunday night or a Monday night game. And Dobbs threw four interceptions. And the Bears, you know, have, their defense has progressed and gotten better as the season has gone along. And, you know, they're getting uh, some action going against the quarterback. They're getting decent pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And I think the Raiders can do that in this particular game. And, you know, once we saw Dobbs under pressure, he showed why he's not – a so-called legit starter in the NFL because you could see he was really starting to press and trying to force things, hence the four interceptions that he threw. So I just think it's a situation here where if you say, do you want Aiden O'Connell or Dobbs? I think it's 50-50, and I think O'Connell eventually becomes the better quarterback, but because he's so young, I would say 50-50. I like the fact that the Vikings have had problems up front of late, as we said, against the Chicago Bears, and I think the Raiders can do enough to harass him, uh, to be able to get this win. Also, if you look at the Vegas offense against Kansas City, uh, they put up over six yards per play. You know, not per pass, but per play. That's how good they were against the KC defense. That's a much better defense than they'll face uh, this particular week. So, yeah, I mean, I think Vegas, if you can get three or more, that's the way to go in this game. And obviously they're, you know, even against Miami, they played well against the Dolphins at a spot where I, along with a lot of other people thought, all right, you won two in a row, you beat the New York, New Jersey teams. Now it's going to be, you know, you're going to go on the road against a team that's been a bully all year at home. And they still represented themselves well. So they're, they're really reacted well under the new coaching. And I think they get the job done this week.
0: You know, I'm with you on that too. And, uh, I, when, you know, looking at the game, I just think that, okay, this is maybe a good spot for the Raiders. And this is really more of a play against Dobbs. And right. he has been awful, downright awful. He was awful against the Broncos. He was awful against the Bears, um, you know, that, that you mentioned. And now they have the bye week, but I just don't see, you know, there's a reason. Josh Dobbs has been on five teams in the last three years, and I know that he got a lot of love for that stretch early on the season. You know when he, he was filling for for Kyler Murray with Arizona, and that's what led. The Vikings is saying, Hey, you know, we, you know, Kirk Cousins is down. Let's go get Josh Dobbs. I think this is going to be a perfect fit. I, this guy has just not been good. He's having problems hanging on to the football. That's always kind of been the knock on him, but just the decision making, like you mentioned with the interceptions, you know, four against the Bears. Yeah. And and same thing against, uh, against the Broncos. And it's not like the Vikings are, are, are losing to these stellar teams. I mean, losing to the Broncos, losing to the Bears. No, this is a Viking team that I'm not excited about it at all and you know we will we're going to talk to Paul Gutierrez here at the bottom of the hour the Raiders insider and I'm very curious of, of what um, you'll know, practice and what the vibe has been like here in Henderson with the Raiders uh, facility over the last couple of days because Antonio Pierce came out and said you know We can do all the talking we want, but hopefully, you know, you guys got all this out of your system because now, you know, it's time to to put up or shut up. We can talk all we want, but we actually got to get it done. And he just put the pressure on the guys. Say, listen, we've got to win four of the next five, and it has to start this week. And I love it when a coach says that. So I'm with you.
1: I think I'm going to back the Raiders. So you know, and, and so do I. I like coaches. I don't like coaches who are screamers, nut jobs. You know, on the sideline grabbing the players by the collar during the game, screaming at them. But I like. Motivational coaches. He's obviously pushing the right buttons with X's and O's. Also, uh, so I don't want to take that away from him. But uh, he's a, seems to be very. He he knows how to motivate without crossing the line. I guess is the best way I'm trying to put it. Uh, at least thus far since he's taken over as the interim coach. And again, listen. I I look at a guy like Dobbs. Let's take a, a young guy like Purdy compared to Dobbs and the reason Dobbs has never really made it as a starter and why Purdy has so fast. And let's. And you know, set aside the fact that San Francisco's got the deepest roster, we know that, and Minnesota doesn't. But it's not like Dobbs has only played with Minnesota. He's played with other teams too. The difference is, is processing at the line of scrimmage uh, on a dime in a split second. They try to they try to switch things up on Purdy's pre-snap. You know, right before the snap, he understands what's going on. He gets the ball out. They try to mess with him. Immediately after the snap, they change things up. They drop guys back showing blitz, or they bring guys up right at the snap who look like they were going to lay back. He processes it. He goes through a couple of reads, boom. He not only gets the ball out, but he lays it out in front of the receiver before the receiver gets to where he's supposed to be on the field. They don't have to wait for the football. And some guys have that and some guys don't. You know, that's just not something you teach. And so that's something that Purdy has. It's something that Dobbs has never had. And when Dobbs gets under, feels under pressure, he presses, as we've said. So... I just think you know if the Raiders can get pressure on Dobbs, they win this game, and they might even you know get some help from Dobbs throwing a pick or two. All
0: right. All right. Speaking of the Niners, they were a ten and a half point uh, choice over the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle's gone backwards, losing three in a row. Two of those three games really had problems scoring. They got some points against the Cowboys in their last game, but uh, do you think that this line is is right? You got an opinion on either the red hot Niners or the slumping Seahawks?
1: Yeah, I believe it or not, all those points, I would, I would rather back Seattle if I jump in on this game. I think it's a tough spot for San Francisco if they actually have tough spots with that organization. Uh, but after what they did last week, that was such a big game for them. The revenge from last year when they lost, you know, three quarterbacks and they were looking for people in the stands to play quarterback, you know, in the playoffs. So now it's a situation where they host a Seattle team and they're laying a ton of points. And this is like, you know, the old buy low, sell high situation that I think you can use when it comes to NFL betting, like we do in the stock market. And listen, they played well against the Cowboys. They lost by six. They were getting, I think, nine and a half in that game on Thanksgiving. Uh, But it looks like things came together, and they were able to, I guess, resolve some of their offensive issues they were having before the Dallas game. And Geno Smith benefited. I mean, he had a huge game, 330-plus yards, three touchdowns in that contest. And one of the things that I liked even more than that, or at least equal to that, was Seattle started doing a few things different on defense, and they sacked Dak Prescott four times in that contest. I, I don't think San Francisco loses this game outright, but I think it's a real tricky spot to want to lay 10, 10 and a half points in this game.
0: Yeah, you're right. From a situational standpoint, that makes a, a lot of sense, you know, d- taking Seattle uh, and the points. All right, probably the marquee game is Buffalo in Kansas City, even though Buffalo slid a little bit, but hey, they still got Josh Allen, they got Diggs, uh, and... This is a team that really needs to win. I mean, you look at Buffalo. You're, I'm shocked. I mean, they are six and six right now, and a lot of that has to do with you know what has happened on the defensive side of the ball. With you know, you losing your middle linebacker in Milano. He's been out for you know just about the entire season here, and it'll be, I'm very curious to see what Buffalo did during this bye week because they had that unfortunate loss, you know, going back a couple weeks ago to, to the Eagles. Had a week to stew on it, and now they're playing Kansas City. And then now you look at the Chiefs. They they're coming off a loss. We know how good the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and the Chiefs are normally You know, coming off a loss. But, hey, uh, this is the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen coming to town. Give me your thoughts on this game, Scott. Pretty interesting, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your take.
1: Well, one of the things I did with this game early on was I played Josh Allen over 31.5 rushing yards in this contest for a, a nice little prop here. And, you know, you mentioned Buffalo, the tough loss to Philly. I mean, they've had a couple of games where they should have won or could have won and just didn't get the job done. It is it is the fault of – Josh Allen takes all the heat. This is the fault of the defense most times. But in this particular game, and the reason I played that prop, is they've got to do everything they can, including running Josh Allen even more than normal, and he runs it a lot already, to win this football game. And Kansas City is like fourth from the bottom of the league, defend, excuse me, defending the run. And if you look at what – Allen did in week 12. He ran the ball for 81 yards on nine yards per carry. Uh, So I I really do like him to go over this total. I think he's going to have to run the football quite a bit, especially if the weather forecast comes to fruition and it's a little bit windy at Arrowhead, which it could be in cold. He's going to have to run the ball a little bit more. As far as the side, I've been kind of going back and forth. I mean, the Bills have, you know, the fifth best scoring differential, believe it or not, with that six and six record. They're plus 101 points in those 12 games. The problem is they keep blowing leads with less than two minutes to go when they go into those last two minutes with a lead. Uh, They've lost six out of eight one-possession games. But the bottom line is I think this is a game that they can go in and win, and one of the problems for KC, they still don't have that receiver who they can consistently count on to stretch the field. So I've gone back and forth. I haven't made an official bet on this one. Eileen Buffalo, the official bet that I made was the prop which was over 31 and a half rushing yards for Josh Allen.
0: All right. Scott Spricer joins us, DocSports.com. Go to DocSports.com and subscribe to Scott's Plays. Doesn't matter the sport, Scott's all over it, whether it's uh, the NFL, college football, the NBA, college basketball, uh, handicapping it all and does a fantastic job, as we all know. Well, we talk about the marquee game being Buffalo and KC right behind it and maybe even equal is Philadelphia and Dallas. And this is going to be your Sunday night game here. Uh we know that both teams have had this game circled on the calendar here. Talk a little bit about Philadelphia, especially coming off that embarrassing home loss to the Niners, which you and I both had the the Niners and we kind of anticipated that was going to happen, but I was already looking ahead. I don't know about you, Scott. I was already looking ahead last week to this game and said, hey, uh, I'm taking San Francisco this week, but I'm going to be right back on Philadelphia going against Dallas. I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to be involved in the Eagles.
1: Yeah, we weren't talking about this game at all last week or in the last few days, and yet we had the same approach. You know, San Francisco was my one of my biggest plays of the season last week. I thought besides the fact that they're the best team in football, just the situation and everything that was going on broke in their favor, and Philly's playing this murderer's row of a four-game stretch. And you hear a lot of people jumping chip right now on Philly, uh, because of what happened against San Francisco. That was a horrible spot. They had Dallas coming up next. San Francisco's a monster, the whole shebang. And I was thinking that going into that game as it kicked off, I was like, all right, well, here's what I'm doing. I got this big play on San Francisco. If philly wins the game obviously i lose the money but i'm going to come back with them and make them a big play again next week or go against them next week against dallas if they would have beaten san francisco at the same time i'm like if they come off a rough outing where they get knocked around like they think they're going to i'll come back next week and play them against dallas because dallas will probably be a little bit overvalued with everything they've done this this point differential by Dallas. When you look at the difference between Dallas's point differential and Phillies, Dallas is like a hundred points better than Philadelphia on the season. And it's because they're a bully. And you know that TC, they beat the crap out of bad teams at home and then they struggle against the better teams on their schedule. And until I see Dallas put together two or three games in a season where they're able to handle the best teams on their schedule, You know, in a consistent manner, I can't back him laying more than a field goal. That three and a half means a lot to me, that hook. I think Philly goes into Dallas, pulls the outright upset. Um, I think you should take the points for insurance. It's not a game I want to jump on, you know, because obviously it's, you know, one of those situations where it could end up close. Dallas wins on a field goal. I think the three and a half is well worth taking. Three and a half or more. Philly's the side.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And you go back to November 5th when Philly defeated Dallas 20 to 23 since that time. Right. It was just like, and what we, what you said, and I've been saying this all year, it's like, Hey, Dallas is a real easy handicap for me. You know, uh, at home against the bad teams, they're going to crush teams, lay it. It doesn't matter. Uh, they go on the road against a good team, forget about it. Now they're at home against a good team. And again, since that November fifth victory, they blast the Giants, they blast the Panthers uh, and the Commanders, three of the worst teams uh, in football. You could probably make the argument that they could be the three worst, you know, of maybe yeah. the five that you know <laughs> that are out there, really. And then they they beat a Seattle team and they give up thirty five against Seattle. Not that Seattle is, is bad, but again, they're not an upper echelon team, and you have Geno Smith as your as your quarterback. So no, you know, I know some people say, well, maybe they were caught looking ahead. Well, maybe fine, but. I'm with you. I, I'm all about the Eagles in, in this situation. And then they got to go to Buffalo, Dallas does, yeah. the, the next week. And then they got to play Miami in Miami. And then they come home against the Lions. So yeah. This, this four-game game
1: stretch is big. It's it like Philly just went through or is going through. It is. It, it, but it look is. at the teams they've beaten, T.C., if I could jump in there for just a second. You mentioned a couple yeah. of them. Yeah. They beat Seattle. They beat Washington. They beat Carolina. They beat the Giants twice. They beat the Rams when the Rams were really struggling. They beat the Chargers. I should say they beat Staley, and they barely won that game. Uh, they beat New England, and they beat the Jets. And the Those Cardinals. Their Don't forget the Cardinals. Well, That's right. They lost to the Cardinals. That's right. Yes, they lost yeah. by 12 to the Cardinals. Yeah, they yeah, lost yeah. by 32 to the Niners. They lost to the Eagles on November 5th. So every time they've stepped up against a, a playoff contender, they've lost. Every time they've stepped up against an also-ran they win by 40, and that's how they got that huge point differential, and all these stats that are making Dallas Cowboy fans salivate like they're going to finally go deep in the playoffs. I just look at that schedule. You can only beat who's in front of you, but they didn't beat the good teams who were in front of them.
0: Absolutely correct. All right, so that is a Sunday night game. We mentioned the, the 10 a.m. You know, portion of the card does not look good, and we got a couple you know, decent ones good in, in the 125 slot. But then, Scott, when you scroll down – we go, we have two Monday night football games again. Please help me out here because I'm confused. <laughs> don't ask me because I don't have an answer and I'm just flabbergasted. I had to do like a, a, a double and triple take, you know, earlier in the week. I'm going, wait, no, and they're not tiered. They're both at 515. <laughs> one's on ABC. One's on ESPN. Okay. What the heck is going on here? Oh, and by the way, there are two games that I'm not interested in as well, too. Wh- what are we doing with two Monday night football games? I get it opening night of the season, which we didn't, right. but week two we did, and then I think we did in week three or something like that, and then, okay, thank goodness, okay, the mistakes are over. We're done with it. Now we're
1: back to it again. Please help me out. I don't get it. It's like NFL, if you want to make the most for your buck, then how about having a 4 p.m. Pacific East Coast game and a 7 p.m. Pacific West Coast game, if you're going to do that on a Monday. Uh, back uh, Two games starting at the exact same time as you mentioned. Uh, three of the four teams – you know, are basically not real playoff contenders. Okay, Green Bay, maybe they played better of late. I think they're going to go into a swoon, uh, starting this week. I, I see what Jordan Love's doing. I don't like what the NFL, you want to have two games? Give us a second game on a Thursday night in case, you know, one's a clunker like they normally are, like tonight's game could be. Uh, but I, I think the Packers of all these teams here that, you know, are kind of outside looking in, but making a run, I think they're overvalued, TC. You know, Jordan Love, I get he's progressed. They've got him slinging the ball around the field, which they didn't earlier in the season. But some of the things they're doing to get receivers open are really timing plays and patterns where he can hit without having to go real deep downfield. And I do believe that the NFL is going to catch up to him potentially this week because he's got a blitz-happy defensive coordinator and Wink Martindale of the Giants who he's going to face. It's a defense that's forced the seven most seventh-most picks in the league uh, all for the season, and the Giants were also eighth in EPA allowed per play over the last six weeks. This is a good defensive football team, extremely well coached, and we saw the other night when they beat KC, I mean, he hung a couple of footballs out there, a couple of passes that were begging to be picked off, one for a pick six, and if the Chiefs make the plays that are right there in front of them, they win that game. So um, just as far as that game is concerned, I think it's a situation where, The Packers get a little bit of a comeuppance this week, and I think six and a half is too many points for this team to be laying against a good defense. I get it. I get the Giants quarterback situation, but this defense is good. Uh, They've had time to prepare. And also, again, I just don't know that Jordan Love can handle this kind of blitz. One thing that, you know, everybody's talking about Jordan Love. You know what I like best about the Packers of late? They're getting a pass rush on opposing quarterbacks. If they can maintain that, they might be able to sneak in the postseason. I'm just not sure they can maintain that.
0: Right, right. And again, you know, the secondary, Jay Alexander has been injured. I uh, don't know if he's going to be back right. or not this week. But you know, the secondary has looked. At, and you're right, it, it pretty much. I mean, the defense have, have been the stars for the Green Bay Packers. You know, right now. But yeah, six and a half on the road. Again, you got Tommy DeVito. So I, I, I see where the six and a half is, and and uh, it, it's hard to 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 back DeVito. But you're right. You know, probably a low scoring game in this one. Maybe entertain the total totals a low one 36 and a half so you know we'll see uh you know how that plays out and then you got Tennessee and Miami Miami is a 13 point you know, favorite. I know there are some people that still kind of get excited about Derrick Henry and, and and Tennessee. I know there were a lot of Tennessee Titan backers last week, and that didn't work out well for them because you know the Colts looked like they were dormant, and Gardner Minshew didn't look great. But then they let this thing you know uh, get to overtime, and then the Colts end up uh, winning. But uh, the Tennessee really just killed themselves with uh, with missed field goals, extra points, and because of the missed extra point, that's why it went to OT. Then they inevitably lose after that what are your thoughts on this game, if any?
1: Did Tennessee sign any defensive players against the pass on the last week? Because, my gosh, their Jeez. pass defense is not good, and now they've got to face the Dolphins right. at home in Miami with this high-powered attack. Um, there's one thing that gives Tennessee backers hope. They've actually been pretty good in the red zone. Um, they're actually second in what's called the success rate when it comes to red zone play. The problem is, that's their defense. The problem is, is that guess who's the number one red zone offense? And it's not even close. The Miami Dolphins. This this really does seem like a game that is like that. Tennessee defense is begging to have forty put on them. I, I think this is like a thirty-eight to fourteen type of game. TC Scott, when you're going
0: back and you're looking at these these big numbers, like you know, let's say when you're at thirteen or more what is the percentage that these favorites still cover and whether it's the sample sizes this year or the last, because I know you have a lot of different um, scenarios that you look at, you know, dating back, whether it's five, 10, 15, 20 years or whatever. But I'm very curious when you see these numbers of 13 or more, you know, how, how, how much do these, these favorites still come in?
1: Yeah. I tend to try to not lay like 11 and a half seems to be the cutoff point for the point, the amount of points you want to lay. And I normally tend to try to not do more than that. And so, you know, that's kind of my cutoff point. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me as far as what the record is overall, but I know over the last 25 years, that's been kind of my cutoff point as far as I'll go. However, you know, when I get a defense like Tennessee that doesn't match up well, or is the, you know, like the perfect defense for a team like Miami's offense to be able to exploit, then it's a situation where I may ignore that you know that cutoff point for me eleven eleven and a half points and lay a little bit more than that. So don't have the exact numbers in front of you, but I can just tell you that that's where my cutoff point is. And if you look at Tennessee, one of the things I like to look at when you, when people talk about angles, I don't want to hear that a team is like you know fourteen and one or one and fourteen in a, in a game like this, but they're winning or losing by a couple of points. I want stuff that comes out and says, okay, a team. Uh, in this situation, not only covers the spread, but then you look at the last 10 times or whatever, and the average final margin is like 20 points per game. And that's what you get out of Miami. If you look at them as a favorite this season, eight times they've been favored, they've covered seven. They win those games by an average score of 37-16. to 16. You know, those are the kind of angles I want to hear. What what are they actually averaging as far as the point differential? So I factor that into going over that 11, 11 and a half mark also. And it comes up with Miami or nothing for me.
0: And uh, I don't know how much revenge plays into a lot of these situations. Now, last week, we I think we both talked about it, you know, San Francisco over Philadelphia because, hey, Philadelphia ended their season and the way the 49ers, you know, didn't have any quarterbacks. I mean, that was a different thing. But if you go back to these two teams faced each other last year and Tennessee won 34-3. Last year, right? And I don't know. Again, you know, for me, if that means anything, but it, I I hear what you're saying, and I'm with you, and I agree everything you're saying about the Dolphins. But, Scott, have you been watching the in-season hard knocks? I can't bet Mike McDaniel. I can't do it, Scott. Forget about (laughs) the way the guy dresses and what he's saying. He's giving away cakes to players, and then he can't even explain it. The guy's a stuttering, stammering mess. Please get this guy off my television. Get him off my sideline if I'm betting him. I think it's just a matter of time before he will cost this team, uh, especially when they get to the playoffs.
1: Well, listen. They're a bully. They're like Dallas. Well, Dallas, (laughs) I would take over Miami and on a neutral site. But they're like Dallas in that they pound on bad teams and they have problems when they go on the road. We saw, we saw that when they scored seventy against Denver and then they got blasted up in Buffalo. That's the kind. They're just that kind of team. So they're going to be great in warm weather. They're going to be great against bad teams. Tennessee's a bad team. And you're right, though. I've watched it. I've only seen it like two or three times, and I'm like, wow, this guy is either a super genius who's eccentric as heck. (laughs) or he's going to cost his team badly at some point with a bad decision. I'll take the ladder way. on that,
0: Scott. I'll take the ladder. I mean, <laughs> look at these these guys are looking at him. His players are going like, okay, you know we don't respect you, right? Okay, just shut up and get out of the way. I mean, <laughs> I, I've never seen the guy command a meeting room, command a huddle, or a pre- or a post-game uh, locker room. I haven't seen it. So he's, he's the kid
1: in the corner in in your science class doing <laughs> chemistry uh, experiments when you don't even have to, right? You know I mean? he, you're right. He's a guy in the corner and there's saying,
0: Mike, Mike, pay attention. Oh, no, I want to be an NFL coach someday. I'm going to be an NFL <laughs> coach. Look at me. I'm drawing helmets and I'm drawing, I'm drawing a spread formation. Okay. Flunk that kid. Flunk that kid in my science class. That's great. All right, brother. Hey, appreciate the time as always, Scott. Uh, have yourself a good one and good luck this weekend, brother.
1: I'm on my way to Freddy's, brother. Yes.
0: Oh, pictures galore, please.
1: <laughs> there it is. I, I still got
0: I got to sweat this out for another you know twenty-two minutes or so.